Uh, this morning you'll see in your bulletin we had planned to baptize uh, Belle Lucas, but John's parents couldn't make it this weekend, so we're going to move that to next uh, Sunday. Um, in the text for this morning's message, we're going to read in just a few minutes, uh, the Apostle Paul gives thanks for some of the things that he sees in the lives of the believers in the church uh, of Thessalonica. Uh, and I, I thought that this would be a good time for us as a church uh, to give thanks for Helen and for the good things that God had done uh, in, in her life. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Helen has, she battled cancer for about a year. Uh, she passed away this Friday morning, uh, leaving behind Joel and, and the boys and, and the rest of her family. Uh, and, and we just wanted to, to take a minute and and give thanks for her and for her life. Uh, Give thanks for Joel, Joel, and the way you've really set an example to all of us of of what it means to love your bride as Christ loved his bride, the church. We're we're thankful for that. I'm I'm thankful for the members of our congregation, the way you've loved her family over the past year. Um, I'm thankful for Helen and and just her example of faith uh, and hope and love. Um, Helen and I had some, some interesting conversations over the last year um, she was what my grandparents' generation would have called a pistol, um, um, a, a firecracker, maybe for for those of you who are younger. But but one of the one of the conversations I, I most cherish and remember was when she told me that she really felt that God had used even this cancer in her life uh, to bring her back to Jesus. Um, she had professed faith many years earlier. But she said she really felt like going through this had really solidified her faith in Christ. Uh, and one of the passages that she loved for me to read when I was with her was, was Romans 8. And I want to read part of that um, for us this morning because I think it will give you some insight into where her hope was um, and where our hope should be as well. And then when I finished reading this Rachel Wilcox and Annie Groove are going to come up and, and say a few words about Helen. And then uh, Jim O'Donnell is going to lead us uh, in prayer and, and, and praying for her family. But let me read. If you've got a Bible, you might look in Romans 8. Um, or, or if you've got an app on your phone. Um, Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Then in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, for in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, 
we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. He was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Helen gave me a gift certificate for my birthday a few months ago, and she wasn't able to go with me when I went shopping, but she called me and helped me pick out just the right thing over the phone so I could have something to remember her. was strong, courageous, and inspiring. She loved fiercely and had an indomitable spirit, both of which were evident in the ways that she loved her family, her community, and Jesus. One thing that will stay with me is her smile, because no matter what, she was determined to enjoy life. I wrote down a verse that Justin just read to us, Romans 8.18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So I praise God that she's with Jesus. Her suffering is over and his glory is revealed. I was walking around my yard yesterday trying to find something in bloom that I could bring 
for the communion table this morning, and there wasn't much blooming in my yard this time of year. And, um, and I wanted something special because I knew we were going to be talking about Helen this morning. And um, so I was walking around, but as I turned the corner of my garage, um, I have a, a really big old tea olive tree in bloom. And as soon as I turned the corner, I could just smell it. And I was like, that is perfect. It's a perfect, perfect thing for today. Um, I really haven't known Helen that long. Uh, she was one of those people, though, that was so intense and forthright that um, you don't just start off with, hi, you know, what's your name? Um, the usual get-to-know-you kind of stuff. Uh, the first time we went out for coffee, I think she cried. And <laughs> so that's kind of like, oh, hello. And... Um, and, uh, you know, we've gotten to know each other over the last couple years. And, um, I mean, she's just one of those people that's just very, like, oh. And uh, she, last summer she said, hey, do you want to go to Europe with us? And I was like, oh, we need spreadsheets and savings accounts. And um, I don't know your middle name yet. And um, that's that a lot. And <laughs> But it, it turned out, you know, her plans changed a lot. Her, her cancer really progressed in, in ways that, you know, she wasn't expecting. She, and I'm so sad that she didn't get to do a lot of the traveling that she really wanted to do. Um, but she, you know, I think a pistol is a good way to describe her. She was just very, oh, <laughs> that's, that's not a word, but you know what I mean. Um, Helen's passion about everything is what really struck me about her. Um, if she liked to quote, she tattooed it on her arm, which is pretty awesome. And um, she was kind of starting to run out of space. Um, so, I mean, she, you know, she liked something. She loved it. And, um, and I think, you know, like just going into her house, it's just you know, like color and art and family pictures. And just, it's just, you know, you walk in and like Helen totally lives here. And um, it was just, she was just very passionate in very demonstrative ways. Um, and I think our church has really lost something. Um, but, but we have something, you know, we can still hold on to. I think she just brought a lot of life and, and love that I think, especially Presbyterians, really need more of. And, um, and so I just appreciate her passion so much. Um, but not only was she just, like, passionate and, like, all in, she was very realistic, too. Like, she loved her boys so much. And, you know, she was just a great mom. And, you know, we talked a lot about parenting because, you know, our kids are, are close in age. And, but she was the kind of person who could really empathize with you, too. Like, she was just very passionate, but, but like, I could tell her, I was like, you know, when I get really mad at my kids, I totally flip them off behind their backs. And she was like, I totally get that. And, you know, it's not something you tell a lot of people, because a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, maybe your kids should be taken away. And um, She was never, like, an overly pious, kind of, you know, look down your nose kind of person. She totally got it. And, um, and she, um, she could hold both strands simultaneously. She was excited to see Jesus. She, she th- you know, was excited because, I mean, this is like the ultimate trip. But her heart was just so broken to think, you know, about leaving her boys. And, and you, know, it's, you know, she had both of those things. And I think some people don't have, can't hold on to two of those things. And um, she wanted to die well, and she did. Um, she made friends with everybody. She had friends that most of us probably wouldn't naturally make friends with. But um, she was like Jesus in that, you know, a bruised rod she wouldn't break. Um, she's not the kind of person to just, you know, this is, this is what the Bible says kind of thing. Um, she had a huge heart. Um, I, I was trying to explain to Ruby um, 
that Helen had passed and that we were so sad. But we're happy for her because she's with Jesus in heaven. And Ruth said, the real Jesus? And I said, yes, the real Jesus. And, um, and that was exciting, um, you know, that, that kind of clicked for her. Um, and Jesus was and is very real to Helen, and it caused her life. Um, her, her, she had a hard, complicated, messy, crazy, um, you know, mixed up kind of life. But um, she, um, but Jesus is very real to her, and in that crazy life, like because of Jesus, it just like exploded in a beautiful life, and. Knowing Jesus made her more of herself, and it made her more beautiful. And um, the tea olive tree that's blooming now, in a few weeks, it's, it's going to stop, and we, we won't, you know, smell it again until next fall. But, um, and, you know, it's, it's, kind, it's real big, I know, and <laughs> it's probably going to drop flowers in the wine and kind of make a mess. But, um, but when you come up here, you can just smell it from, like, the whole front of the church or cafeteria. And... Um, it just, you know, it just is intense, and it and it's short-lived. And I just thought when I smelled that, I thought that was just, um, you know, a, a beautiful picture of Helen. She was like so intense and so beautiful, and it just, you know, it went too fast. But um, I'm thankful to have known her, and she was a real inspiration to me. And um, I think we're better off for having her. I know that um, time is becoming short, but I did want to say just a few things. One of the things that Annie mentioned was that um, Helen had a very, very gracious heart. And she also spoke that she was not the type of person that was like this. You're looking at a person that is like this. Sometimes when he shouldn't be. And I knew Helen, but I didn't know Helen as well as I could have. Because at one time, in one evening, we batted heads a little bit. It was right before she found out she was sick. And I felt guilty about that because I wanted to talk to her about it. Um, It was a year ago, but a little more than a year ago, when I made a first attempt at apologizing to her, and it was a horrible attempt, in part because it was when she was just starting to find out she was sick. Um, She was having trouble breathing. It's when she had become estranged from her husband, and it just didn't feel right to me. So I did a very poor job of apologizing, but she received it with grace. But it still weighed on me, so I didn't get to form the relationship with her that I would have liked to. But I did have the opportunity to watch her, watch her grow in Christ, watch her show love to others in spite of the fact that she was suffering many times. And it was a great lesson to me that we should be cautious in how we address people. I did have the opportunity to apologize to her a second time. It's when she was laying in a hammock chair because she couldn't walk. And, you know, it's crushing to realize that it took me a year to get to that point because, you know, it was a minor thing that happened between us, but there were so many major things that were going on in her life that it was hard to address that small thing. But I wanted to. And what a beautiful reception I received when I spoke to her and the grace and the kindness that came from her. And that's the kind of person that she was. So Joel and Preston, I know that that you're both here today, and and if you'd pass this along to Joel, I can count on one hand the people that I've known in my life 
that taught me more about living by the way they died. And she's one of them. Another was Tom Albright. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Another is Norman Hardy. He died of pancreatic cancer. So it's a great blessing to be with those who truly, truly trust in Christ and finish the race well. So let me read just a, a verse of scripture here if I could. And then we're going to actually pray through this verse of scripture if that's okay. And it's, it's Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, we do know that you are a great and everlasting God, and we're thankful that you're the creator, that you've created all things, including Helen, and that you know all things, and you knew the suffering that she would go through. And we're glad that you don't faint and that you don't grow weary. And even though we don't understand all that happened and all the reasons why, you do. And we can have faith in that. We're thankful for her life. We're thankful for her mission. We're thankful for the grace that she's shown us. We're thankful for her spirit. We're thankful that she was a wonderful mother, a wonderful wife. We're thankful for the grace that you've shown her even through these difficult times. And we pray that she would continue to have an effect on us as we go forward and we live out our lives to honor you. Father, we're thankful that even though sometimes we want to fall down and we want to quit, that you won't let us by your grace and by your mercy and by your power. And we're thankful also that someone who is having trouble breathing, that someone who is having trouble walking, that someone who is having trouble seeing, now has wings like eagles, and she can see so far, that she now can run and not grow weary because she can breathe, and she can walk and not faint because she's completely healed. In the arms of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. One second.